Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Today, I am so delighted to have Valentin Radu with us. How are you, Valentin? Hi, Wesleyan, and hello, everyone. I'm really happy to be here and uh, excited as well. I am so excited to chat with you. Let me tell you a bit more about Valentin. He is a perseverant experimenter. He's gone through various jobs, companies, and entrepreneurial ventures before identifying customers' real needs and defining the perfect go-to-market strategy. Nowadays, he is a customer value optimization evangelist and international speaker, defining a new category and helping retailers grow. That's awesome, customer value optimization. So how did you get started in the world and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I'm a former uh, ex-poor kid from Bucharest, Romania. Poverty is, uh, and suffering as well. These are some fantastic teachers. So they taught me on how to be resilient and how to achieve grit. So I've uh, founded uh, four companies so far. And in the last four years, I've been impressed and uh, obsessed with the customer lifetime value. This is a North Star metric in retail and few are the companies that get it right. So thanks to my company, which is a software as a service uh, provider to retailers from all over the world, I've learned that many companies disregard customer lifetime value, even though this is the sure highway to profit. Okay, so you mentioned that poverty, being poor is kind of the best teacher in life. As a child growing up, give us a lesson that you learned in being poor that really developed that grit and tenacity. So uh, basically, I hated to go to university. So I've, uh, I've studied uh, at the Polytechnic Institute and uh, I haven't got enough money to buy a pretzel, right? So basically, I had to walk up every day to get the tramway, to get one hour and 20 minutes through cold. And uh, through this period, I imagine doing this all over again for years. So I've realized that if I'm not doing this, I can't escape this poverty. So basically, I've invented this method of always asking why, 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 why. So why do I have to wake up at 5.30 a.m.? Why do I have to go through this cold? Why do I have not to have any breakfast? Why do I have to learn all these things, these abstract things? And every time in my conversation with my own self was like, because Valentin, this is the only way to escape and to get the life that you desire. So basically, after doing this for, I don't know, 25 years, I'm always applying this method. So even though you have to do the things that you don't like, but these are the struggle that you need to overcome in order to get to what you desire. Ah, a lot of people only want to do the good stuff, the things that make them feel good. But when you grow up and you don't have everything, sometimes you realize, well, I got to do some of the yucky stuff because that's the only way I know how to get what I need. It's that hard work. It's that perseverance. It's that really grit that we find. Yeah, it's the medicine, right? Not all the medicine has a good taste, but it's doing well to you because it's building up your muscle. When you go to gym, right? It's the same thing. You need to get through this pain in order to get the things that you desire. Otherwise, we would be comfortable in a sofa drinking beer all day and eating pizzas and getting very, very fat. So nobody wants that, even though that's comfortable. Yeah, see, we all want to eat just pizza and drink beer, but nobody actually wants the output of that, which is high blood pressure and diabetes and being overweight and all of those things, right? So what do we do? We do the thing that we don't want to do. We eat a little bit of pizza, have a little bit of beer, but then we work out every day. We drink our water. We do the things that we know we need to for our mental and physical sanity. That's right. 
So you mentioned that you never wanted to go to university. So when you were a young child and you were like, I don't want to do this, what did you decide to do? What was your first step into the business world? Oh, yeah. So I wanted to play StarCraft all day. So mainly I was passionate about the computer games and uh, I wanted to play it with my friends. So we've built a network, a local area network. But we were isolated from the outer world. So we paid a lot of money to go to an internet cafe that had broadband connection. And at some point I, I went to my boss and I asked her for, to give me free paychecks in advance so that we can buy a broadband connection. Thanks to that, I gave internet to all my neighbors and that turned out to be a successful business because we were basically offering something amazing. So imagine, Wesley, that we offered 10 times more speed at half the price. I mean, beat that, you know, I mean, it was <laughs> incredible. So basically, thanks to that, that turned out to become a successful business. I got out of poverty in two years after that. So we, I was making $85 a month. And after that, we were making 40,000 euro a month. So very, very soon. So thanks to that, it, uh, let's say, shifted my mental structure, my mentality that, hey, I can succeed and I can make a lot of money and I can turn out to be a successful entrepreneur. So let's do it again. Wow. And we as parents don't want our kids playing video games. We don't want them on social media. We don't want them doing all of these things, but we never know what's brewing underneath the surface because you wanting to play games all day, it made you go somewhere where you can find the game. And then you had those early negotiation skills and learning how to advocate and ask for things that were important for you. Because I'm like, who would give you three paychecks in advance? Like as a business owner, I would give somebody three paychecks in advance. It's just not something that would happen. But your boss took a chance on you and you took that seed that was planted and you multiplied it so much. Yeah. And I also gave her three months notice that I'm going to leave the company afterwards. So basically she was a truly influential leader. And I think that's a very important thing. When you are young, if you don't have this kind of uh, leaders or mentors that could give you a chance and that could make you aware, because when you are, I mean, imagine I, I could have ended up being uh, an optometrist, you know, because I finished the Polytechnic Institute and I could spend my life in that store building uh, eyeglasses, you know, or, or selling uh, spectacles. But thanks to that leader that took a chance on me, I got the money, I ventured into building this new company, and after that, the rest is history. So tell us, because lessons as leaders, there are things that we learn along the way. Some of the best lessons that I've learned as a leader are the leaders that I have really loved. I try to embody what they do. The ones that I don't like, I'm like, what are they doing? I don't want to ever do that. So what were some of those lessons that you learned at a very young age from this woman that was so instrumental in your life? Oh, yeah. So one story which I think uh, it worth sharing is that uh, we had this uh, important client. So basically, I, I had to sell him a... a some lenses which were very expensive and uh, I was still an, an intern let's say so basically I was at the beginning of my career but it was uh, the vacation time so the senior person that was supposed to be there wasn't there and I called my boss and I told her I'm, I'm afraid to do this because those were very really expensive uh, eyeglasses and uh, she said you're gonna do it and if you're not gonna do it at least you learn something very important out of it so I had this trust from her. It all went amazing. The customer came and pff, when I adjusted the eyeglasses, they broke. So they, basically that they needed to wait three more weeks because those lenses were really special and they were produced in Japan. So I was feeling like shit, you know, that important customer was there. But anyways, so he had to leave. 
He called my boss. I called my boss afterwards. And she was actually laughing at me and said, you know what? So what have you learned out of this? I mean, she made it feel like everything is not about uh, the outcome, you know, the, the results themselves, but my journey, my learning journey, because she knew that I'm going to pay back on this. So basically what I've learned is to be kind to the people that uh, you give a chance to, because it's not always about the numbers. It's also about the emotions, and it's also about the learning journey that you are into as a leader, and your people, your employees are as well. So that was an amazing lesson, because it allowed me to understand that, hey, it's not the end of the world if you are going to make mistakes, and it's okay to make mistakes, because those are the steps towards not making any mistake and being an amazing uh, and performant employee. Wow, that is such an amazing story. I always tell my employees, it's okay to fail, but it's not okay to fail the same way twice. Because our job as leaders is sometimes we have to let people tumble a little bit. If we're always there to catch them, if we yeah. always pick them up every single time they fall, then they'll never learn. But when they do something and they make a mistake, they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what did I do? And then they have to figure out how to remedy the situation. And us as leaders, we're there to say, okay, now let me walk you through this. What did you learn? It's never going to happen again. Yeah, that's right. And Wesleyan, to be honest, these are the seeds that you're planting. So if you have young employees and you give them the chance to learn, stay by themselves, you know, I mean, offer them the context to grow. And that doesn't mean to give them plenty of chances to be wrong. It's just giving them that initial nudge. But if they are not a fit, that's it. Maybe this job is not for them. I mean, it's not the end of the world. When you are young, you have this opportunity, you know, to experiment all sorts of things, all sorts of jobs. And that's an unfair advantage if you compare yourself with people which are in their 40s or 50s. They are already stuck. Their options are not that broad as you have. Yes, yes, yes. I was telling my mom, she was asking me about my son. She was like, are you going to allow him to do early college? He's in high school. I was like, I want him to stay a child for as long as possible because when he becomes an adult, he'll have to do adult things. And that's the thing. When you're young, be young. Enjoy being young. Enjoy having no responsibilities. Enjoy messing things up, breaking things and putting them back together. Try jobs. Don't try jobs. Like literally embrace that time in your life when you have that freedom and that flexibility to do whatever you want to do. That's right. I love it. Yeah. It's the good things. It's the good things. So you took a business from, you were making $85 a month to 40,000 euros. How did you go from there to really creating this empire and to what you're doing today? Yeah, so after that, I've invested all my money into uh, a web development agency. Lost everything, hired a lot of people. The B2B game was way different than the B2C game. So I, I thought that people will uh, queue in front of my uh, door, you know, to buy this kind of services. That was not a good hypothesis. And by the way, we are all as entrepreneurs, as leaders, as managers, we are always hallucinating about how the future is going to look like. The caveat is to do this, you know, to dream about things, to hallucinate about outstanding realities, but then adjust as fast as you can. So after losing all this uh, money and all these years, I identified a great opportunity with one of my clients, which was very, very small. And I, I identified that he was in the online insurance space. And there weren't any players back in 2006. There was only the insurance companies, but there were not aggregators that could allow you to see what's your code from different insurance companies online. And I teamed up with that guy and we ended up having... Uh, 
I don't know, after six years, we became the market leader here in online insurance. And we got 250,000 customers, 40 million in turnover, sold that company, and I decided to go on the global uh, global arena. Because one thing that I want to share, Wesley, as well, is that you as an individual, as a person, you have a, let's say, narrative about how the future is going to look like. But few are the people which are actually writing down the story of their lives, how they want to unfold in the future. And fewer are the ones that constantly adjusted and optimized the story of their lives. And I'm one of those persons. I mean, one instrument that I, I kept on using is this, this, let's say, contract with my own self. You know, what's the identity pact? Who do I want to become? And at some point in my life, I've said, I want to become a global entrepreneur. I want to build a software as a service company. I want to become an author. I want to be an example for the kids that are in my country about how they can make it. Because you have to lead by your example, as you've said, you know, I mean, if you are seeing someone actually doing it, you can do it as well. But if all you are hearing is, I don't know, those uh, gurus that are keep on selling you the truth about growth and all they are doing is build their business on top of their advices, then you're not too helpful. You're not actually contributing to this beautiful world. Wow. Power in the words that you speak to yourself. Saying, I want to do this. I want to be this. This is the person that I would like to become. What happens is you start saying it out loud to yourself and you start saying it out loud to other people and you hold yourself accountable and other people start holding you accountable and you start walking like that. If you say, I want to be a published author, you start operating and acting like you are a published author. You show up places and saying, yes, I have a book coming out. And people are like, when? And you're like, I'm not sure yet. I know I have a book coming out. And what you yep. said is, betting on yourself. I get so irritated with all the gurus and I say they sell the wow, not how. So they're like, this is what works for me. This is why it's so amazing. I'm an overnight success that took 15 years, but you know, I'm an overnight success. Watch this three hour course and you too will become an overnight success. And then people get so disenfranchised because they're like, but it's not working. And then they give up, right? And so having people out there who are giving sound advice on how to become successful is so rare. Yep. And I think the next generations are not going to buy into this, uh, let's say, so-called advices. And I mean, hopefully they will have this uh, wisdom already to spot fraud from the beginning. And also, I feel myself responsible for what I'm passing through the next generations. Because to be honest, Wesleyan, when I was a kid, I thought that the adults had everything figured out. But yeah. when, then I realized, you know what? They don't. I mean, they don't know how to raise their kids. They don't know how to build companies. They don't know how to handle and organize uh, states and politics and whatever. There's a mess out there. And yeah. I think we have to do what it takes for our kids to be wiser and not to suffer like we used to do. And I think that's the whole idea. I mean, I mean entrepreneurship in itself, if you think about it, it's not about buying a better car. Okay, and you'll buy a house and then a bigger house. And then what? I mean, it's all about contributing to the world. So as an entrepreneur, I see that providing uh, the paths and the means on how to become wealthy and how to become healthy in your mind, I think those are the shortcuts that I have to pass over. So I think it's time for more and more people to realize that this is all about, you know, it's about helping the other ones which are not in better conditions as maybe you are at, at this moment. Someone helped lift us up. Someone mentored us. Someone gave us a chance. And I believe it is our responsibility as business owners, as leaders to reach back and pull someone else up, right? Because 
we didn't get here on our own. Once people start realizing and they remove the ego from it and real, they you didn't get here alone. So why not help the next generation? Why not help somebody who is within your generation, but they're still struggling? Like helping people, that is what I feel like we are called to do on this earth. That's right. So you said you wanted to build a software as a service company. Tell us about the software as a service company that you built. Yeah, so back in 2014, after learning the, let's say, the principles of growth without just throwing money on ads, I've understood the power of conversion rate. So how many of your visitors are uh, actually buying from your e-commerce? And after selling that company, I've built a software exactly that allowed companies to do exactly this, to test their website, to change the messaging, to change the images in order to persuade customers and to convince them to buy from them. After that, we got thousands of uh, websites using our software. We've raised money back in 2016, and now we've decided to go further. So after realizing that it's not only about acquiring customers that never come back, it's about acquiring customers that do come back and advocate for you. They become your brand evangelist. However, these type of principles to improve customer lifetime value were not anywhere you know i mean we are looking at a lot of companies which are teaching us like google and facebook they are teaching us a lot of things about acquiring customers but nobody is taking care about keeping customers happy providing them based on their expectations and stuff like that so that's why we've pivoted and we've built another software on top of our organization around customer segmentation and customer value optimization. So since then, in 2021, we've launched an academy around customer value optimization. We've built the software, the methodology, and now we are training other agencies and individuals on how to use these kind of principles. And in the near future, in September, I'm going to launch my book around customer lifetime value optimization. So basically, that's, uh, that's where we are. We work with large companies, large organizations like uh, Decathlon or Tempur or Orange or whatever. So companies big and small from all over the world are using these kind of methods. And I think it's a very good moment as there is this, uh, let's say, we are going back to fundamentals. Uh, companies are not after growth, are after profitability. And you can't be profitable if you don't care about your customers to come back, to buy again, and of course, to become evangelists for your own company. So mainly that's my mission at, at this moment. And that's what I, I'm obsessed about, to be frank, because it's a huge opportunity for companies to pay attention to what their customers are telling them. Mm, that's so good. Because most people are so focused on, I like to say, the very top of the funnel, the attraction. I want to get them. I want to get them. I want to get them. But then you get them and are you converting them, like you said. And now you converted them. They bought one thing. But what we want are we want raving fans. We want people who are telling other people about how great your product or your service is. We want people to buy things over and over again. And you're right. So many people are focused on getting the new people. But what are you doing to retain your existing customers? How are you making sure they're happy? How are you making sure they buy more? So the average value of one person is much higher. So you spend less money to acquire new customers. Exactly. And at the end of the day, if you think about it, Wesley, even in a B2B context or in a B2C context, it's all about how much you are paying to acquire a customer and how much that customer is bringing you in terms of profit. Because if this balance is not there, so if your customer acquisition cost is higher than your customer lifetime value, then you're not profitable. And it's time to look not only in the P&L, 
as an uh, overview. We also need to look at the unit economics and what better unit economic than this North Star metric called customer lifetime value. So it's the profitability for any customer that you acquire. Improve that and you are improving the entire business. Mm, customer lifetime value, it is key. Like when we are tracking metrics and we're tracking key performance indicators within our organization, that is one that so many people don't even think about. But if you don't look at, first of all, what, how much does it cost to acquire a customer? So literally, how much are you spending on ads? How much are you spending on going to trade shows, in-person stuff? What are your yeah. inside sales SDRs doing? All the way to, okay, now I have the customer. How much does it cost to service them? Like that is a full cost. That is a full customer acquisition cost. And now that customer that took me X number of dollars to acquire, how many times over am I turning that over? Is it a 2x return? Is it a 3x return? Is it a 0.5 return, right? And so when yeah. you start thinking about those numbers, you figure out where as an organization, where to actually put to double down on your investment to get more customers or focus on reinvigorating your existing ones. Yeah. And if you break down this lifetime value by the channel, by the city, location, by the products that they first bought, then you realize where to go next how to allocate your budget, on which channels, on what products, with what kind of strategies have you attracted the most valuable customers. And that's how you grow. So if you are small, it's about picking up your battles. So if you're a large organization, you want to prevent customers from churning, right? So let's presume that you're a very large organization and you have thousands of employees. You want to know what's the lifetime value by the employee, what's the, the satisfaction level of the customers from all your employees, from all the cities. So basically what we are building right now is we provide this type of clarity at all the levels of the organization. So if you are the CEO, you can see everything. If you are the country manager or if you are a store manager or whatever where you are in the organization, you can see how you are doing, how valuable are your customers and how happy are your customers. Because mm. blending these two together gives you the clarity that you need in order to make the decisions to perform better. Mm, that's so good. And you mentioned September, which is the absolute best month of the year. It is my birthday month. So it's going to be a fantastic month. You are releasing yeah. a book in September. Tell us more about that book. Yeah. So this book is called The CLV Revolution. I have it right here already. So uh, basically it has uh, 265 pages of all the methods. Yeah. All that I've learned in the past 17 years in this uh, e-commerce game, it's right here, right? So basically I've uh, spent something like 16 months in total to put all my thoughts together, wow. to give the processes, what is the methods, how to ask your customers, how to find your best customers, how to do the research, how to identify, how to do this analysis on them. And then what kind of initiatives do you need to do from the acquisition to onboarding, to prevention, to reactivation, to loyalty? So all of those methods are in here. I think it's a great book as I'm getting feedback from other experts, friends, influencers in this space. My mission is to make, turn this into a Bible for any company that wants to improve lifetime value. Yeah, I want to be the best book on this subject that has ever been written. The authority on customer lifetime value. I love it. I love it. I love it. So if you are a person that is focused on e-commerce and maybe you're like, I don't even know what e-commerce is, you should definitely buy the book. You should definitely do some research. And anybody who is selling anything online, your customer lifetime value, and even if you're selling things offline, 
Yeah, it's offline as well. It is a really important metric and it is a really important concept that you should understand. So what is the official release date in September? Yeah, 20th of September. That's when, when it's going to be That released. is my birthday. You're releasing it on my birthday. This is my gift for you. Oh, look at this. You are releasing the book on my birthday. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That is so exciting. Yeah, and of course, you're going to receive it on your mail prior to that date, hopefully. Although yes. it's from Bucharest, Romania. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That is so awesome. And do you have a free gift that you, I know your book is coming out. Is there anything that you want to share with the listeners as a, um, a gift? Yeah, sure. So basically, if you're listening to this uh, podcast, you can uh, go to theclvrevolution.com. You can read the first chapter for free, and you can also have access to nine tools that you, you can apply right away in your business. So basically, all the nine tools that are going to be included in this book, you already have access to them if you go to theclvrevolution.com. Mm, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Valentine, this has been a fantastic conversation. I love chatting with you, um, learning about your humble beginnings to how you have sold companies and now you're releasing your book. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your talent, and your expertise with our listeners. Thanks as well, uh, Wesleyan, for giving me this opportunity. And uh, for everyone listening out there, congrats, because you are getting better by listening to this podcast. Yes, yes, yes. 1% better each and every day. That is what we strive for at the Transform Sales Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day. See you next time.